You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. Welcome, you're listening to Metamorphosis, a podcast designed to help medical students navigate their careers. My name is Maya, and on today's episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. Sarush Rokui, who is a first-year cardiac surgery resident at UBC. So, Dr. Rokui, how are you doing today? Good, good, Maya. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, could you start off by introducing yourself and your journey into medical school? Yeah, sure. So yeah, my name is Sarush. I, I uh, grew up in Ottawa and then uh, I didn't come from a particularly medical family or anything. But uh, during high school, I kind of was attracted to the sciences and uh, medicine was kind of this thing out there that was supposed to be this, this thing that you could only do if you worked really hard. Um, and that's all that I kind of knew about it at the time. So I thought it might be a reasonable thing to pursue. And then I ended up uh, just going to undergrad uh, near home at U Ottawa, uh, and it was it's a program called biomedical science. And then uh, after that, just applied to medical school. It's pretty linear route, nothing too exciting uh, on the way. So then I came here to UBC for medical school, and then ended up staying for residency. So next, I was just wondering if you could tell us about your journey to cardiac surgery. What, where did you first learn about it? How did you learn about the field? And what drew you to it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, when I first got into medical school, I had this idea that I might be interested in surgery just because of the kind of very superficial uh, reputation that it had and things. I was interested in working with my hands. Um, I was interested in kind of a fast-paced or high-pressure environment. And so surgery um, seemed to be, at least as far as I knew, kind of reflective of those those desires. So I ended up just shadowing really broadly and kind of really early on, I thought, hey, cardiac might be interesting, although I didn't really know anything about cardiac surgery. Um, and so I shadowed really broadly, I shadowed all the surgical specialties basically, and, and uh, that was good for ruling a bunch of specialties out, um, but it left me with a short list of, you know, three, four, five even uh, surgical disciplines um, and then from that short list I just kind of spent a little bit more time with each and went back and forth I wasn't somebody who you know right away knew that from that list that cardiac was going to be the, the right decision for me but kind of as clerkship went I went through clerkship and spent more time on some other services and came back to cardiac and then I kind of realized that the cardiac was the most reflective of what I wanted to do who I wanted to be um, it was a reflection of kind of my value system and, and uh, the role that I wanted to play in the healthcare system. That's a process that I'm sure a lot of the listeners can relate to going back and forth between different specialties uh, pre-clerkship. I can definitely relate to that right now. And so cardiac surgery is a field that a lot of the people listening to this podcast might not really be familiar with. So could you tell us about your field? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so cardiac surgery is the branch of surgery that deals with surgical interventions to the heart as well as the great vessels, which includes the aorta up to about the level of the diaphragm. 
So that's the ascending aorta of the arch and the descending aorta all the way down to the diaphragm. And sometimes even lower than that, depending on what the disease process is and, and what the necessary surgical intervention is. Um, increasingly, we're also playing a role in not just surgical solutions, but transcatheter solutions as well, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about um, during our conversation. Um, so cardiac surgery, there's a, there's a few different names of, of this discipline, right? And some people say, oh, is it cardiothoracic surgery? Is it cardiac surgery? Is it cardiovascular surgery? Um, for the most part, cardiac and cardiovascular are synonymous. Um, cardiothoracic is a different term um, that's mostly used now in the United States, where their training paradigm is a little bit different, where they have a six-year program for both cardiac and thoracic surgery together, um, either directly from medical school, the way that we have it for CARMS, or they do five years of gen surge, and then they'll do two or three years of CT or cardiothoracic surgery after that. Um, so ours is different in Canada. If you want to be a thoracic surgeon, most of the modern thoracic surgery training is a fellowship of general surgery, whereas cardiac surgery is its own program. So that's cardiac surgery in a nutshell. Thanks for the, the overview of cardiac surgery. So now that we've heard a bit about cardiac surgery, you mentioned that in your shadowing experiences, you were able to rule things out, mm -hmm. but it was hard to rule things in. Mm -hmm. And when I talked to you prior to this interview, we talked about how important the craft of the surgery was. Mm -hmm. So could you expand on this and tell me about what kind of surgeries that cardiac surgeons do yeah. and what about that you enjoy? Absolutely. So uh, perhaps before I do that, I'll give a little bit more detail about what kind of operations we actually do. So um, our bread and butter consists of primarily of coronary artery bypass grafting surgery or cabbage or bypass surgery, which is for blockages in the coronary arteries where we take healthy arteries and veins from other parts of the body and basically make new plumbing so that the myocardium has an adequate blood supply in the setting of atherosclerosis and sometimes in the setting of heart attacks and things. Um, that's a big part of our practice. Another big part of our practice is valvular surgery. So um, aortic valve, mitral valve, stenosis, regurgitation, tricuspid valve, same thing. Um, in adult surgery, we deal relatively little with the pulmonic valve, but still sometimes. Um, and then we also do aortic surgery. So that's for aneurysm, for dissection. Um, and then we also do a whole host of what's called um, heart failure surgery, basically. So that encompasses not only uh, cardiac transplantation, but also mechanical circulatory support, which is basically the use of devices outside of the body, or sometimes devices that we put into the body to help the heart when the heart is just not working at all. So that's things like left ventricular assist devices or ECMO, um, which is very popular, um, kind of gaining popularity now more than ever. Um, so that's kind of the full scope of, of what we do in addition to some uh, new, more transcatheter derived things that we're involved in as well. So for me, um, and this is not necessarily the same for everybody that goes into a surgical specialty um, or any specialty for that matter, a really important part of, of choosing which surgical discipline I want to you know, enter was the kinds of operations that they were performing. And for me, cardiac surgery, um, we, every single one of our cases is big, it's an open case, it's a long case, it's a big exposure, but 
the real crux of the cases come from really precision work that has relatively little margin for error. And so it demands perfection or at least near perfection from the practitioners, which is something that I really like because I, I want to be challenged by the work that I do. Um, I think furthermore, the, the bread and butter of our specialty is still, um, you know, hand to tissue kind of surgery, which I really like. And we do a lot of sewing, which I really like. Um, when I went into other surgical disciplines where a lot of stuff was through a scope or it was, uh, you know, um, through fluoroscopy and things like that, I felt um, a bit more separated from the operation. And so um, I chose to enter a discipline that kind of had more uh, direct exposure to the, to the tissue. And then once I saw the, the way that the cardiac surgeons were moving their hands, their efficiency of motion, the, just the kind of harmony and the, the song of the surgery, um, that was what really drew me in. Um, the way the gears turn in the cardiac OR, uh, in my opinion, is very different than the way the gears turn uh, from different ORs that I have had exposure to. And so there's a level of efficiency of uh, of repetition of, of kind of demand for perfection in cardiac that, that um, really drew me in. Wow, that those surgeries sound amazing, but also it blows my mind that you can sew a heart and you can fix or improve a medical problem just by your hands. And while listening to you describe those surgeries, I was wondering how long could a cardiac surgery take potentially? Yeah, so I'd say the average time of most of our surgeries is somewhere in the ballpark of three to four hours. Um, it can very easily be longer than that, depending on what the demands are. And sometimes, uh, you know, the really small changes in what's going on in the operation can potentially add quite a large amount of time to the operation. So there's lots of situations in which you know, you need to um, go back on the bypass machine after you come off it, because the bypass machine is what we use to uh, allow us to stop the heart and, and still circulate blood throughout the body. Um, and, you know, we go on that to operate on the heart and then we come off it to make sure everything is going okay at the end of the operation, but sometimes it's not. And sometimes we need to go back on to fix things and that takes a bit of time. And, and so, um, uh, sometimes, especially with uh, aortic surgery, uh, dissections and things, it can easily go longer than that. Um, I hesitate to give an upper range, just because, you know, it can, whatever's required is, is what we do, but uh, I would say the average is about four hours. Okay, so after hearing about all of this and all these surgeries and the immense amount of skill you need, I'm wondering about residency in cardiac surgery. What does that look like? How do you... How do you train to gain all these skills? And yeah, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't know how much the med students that are going through now know about CBD or competency by design. Basically, it's a, it's a curricular change that's been going on in residency programs around the country. Um, and so some of my senior residents are actually on a slightly different curriculum than I'm on. Um, Regardless, by the time you all come through, it'll all be competency by design. It'll be really well flushed out. Um, and with that change, uh, it's been a really positive change, I think, for most programs. And um, in general, it's allowed everybody to spend more time on service throughout their residency. On service meaning doing the discipline to which you matched. 
Um, so for us, I, I spend a substantial amount of my time even in my junior years on service, which is excellent, uh, which I really enjoy. And so while I'm, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, but um, kind of how I have uh, two lives. I have an on-service life and an off-service life. Um, off-service, um, the demands are kind of in keeping with what I would consider a pretty standard residency schedule. Um, if you're on ICU or if you're doing some trauma surgery, if you're on cardiology, you'll start sometime around 6.30 to 7 o'clock and you'll likely leave on most days unless you're on call around 5 or 6. Uh, and if you're on call, you'll work overnight and then maybe you go home the next day depending on what the rules are and what the situation is. Um, and so that allows for a relatively regular schedule with your evenings relatively spared um, for you to be able to do normal life things or study or do research or whatever other stuff you like to do. Um, when I'm on service, it's a little bit different. Um, our days tend to be on the longer side. Um, as we talked about before, I, I generally will get in around, let's say, some in the ballpark of 6.30ish. Um, and I generally won't leave the hospital until uh, a fair bit later than most people, so probably uh, sometime like 8, 9 p.m.-ish on most days. So the regular days tend to be quite a bit longer than they are for most residency programs. Now the trade-off is that our call is relatively quiet in comparison to some, um, mostly because the pathologies or the conditions that we deal with surgically are often first encountered by cardiology colleagues. So for example, if somebody comes into the emergency room with, with ischemic chest pain, and they have an ST elevation, or let's say, yeah, let's say they have some kind of heart attack, regardless of what kind, um, then they'll see the cardiologist, uh, they'll be admitted to the CCU, they'll get a coronary angiogram, which will show the anatomy of their coronary arteries, and maybe they have some blockages. Maybe they'll get one stent for the really tight blockage that's causing their acute heart attack, and they still have a, a few other blockages that need to be addressed um, with bypass surgery. And so we won't see them basically until that process has been completed and they're post-cath, they're after their coronary angiogram. Um, and so what that means is that we're rarely doing bypass surgery, as an example, uh, overnight, unless there's some failure of, of stent therapy or in some specific circumstances that are outside the scope of this conversation. Um, the one exception to that, of course, is, is aortic dissection which is a surgical emergency um, when it's a type A, so when it's an ascending aorta, um, or if it's in the descending and it, something else is some complicating factors in the, again, beyond the scope of this conversation. Um, but we'll often do aortic surgery overnight, um, just because they tend to come in at night for whatever reason. So, so those are the nights I'm on call one in three. Um, in this program at UBC, we do home call, so I'm at home. Um, after I leave around nine-ish, uh, and then I come in the next day and uh, rinse and repeat. Wow, that definitely sounds intense. So after hearing about this, I'm wondering about some of the highlights and perhaps challenges or lowlights um, that you've experienced in cardiac surgery so far. So what have you found rewarding? What what brings you fulfillment and maybe what are the challenges? Sure, yeah. I think um, 
And my disclosure in this regard is that, as you mentioned at the beginning of this, I'm, a, I'm just finishing the first year of my residency, so I'm sure there's um, basically every single other person in this field is more qualified to answer all of these questions than I am, but um, hopefully I can do it some justice. Enjoying Metamorphosis? Check out some of our other podcasts like Women's Health Interrupted, exploring women's health issues through scientific inquiry and storytelling. Rate, review, and subscribe to UBC Medicine Learning Network podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and your favorite podcast platform. Join our community on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at UBC MedVid. Um, the things that bring me fulfillment in this career um, is the ability to be a decisive decision maker in the face of circumstances that really nobody else in the hospital can deal with. You know, often when we're paged to a situation or we're called overhead to a situation, it's because everybody else is very scared about what's going on. And often because there's something very serious and life-threatening going on with the patient. Um, and so the ability to uh, maintain your composure uh, and to do your job in the face of that pressure, um, I think is something that's really attractive to me about the field. It's something that's really fulfilling because um, if you're able to do your job well, then you're able to really make a very obvious, tangible um, difference in somebody's care. And somebody can really go from truly on the brink of, of death to walking around on ward in sometimes a matter of a few days, which is um, pretty incredible. Uh, it's kind of a testament to, to what the human body can actually tolerate and the modern technology that allows us to operate on the heart, uh, just as much as it is a testament to the people who are actually operating on the heart. But, um, that's the, that's I think the most fulfilling part of it, in addition to the kind of craft related surgically, kind of technically specific things that we talked about a couple of minutes ago. Um, in terms of the challenges, I think um, based on, you know, our schedule and things, sometimes that that um, affords relatively little flexibility, especially during your train during your training years. Um, I think as a, as a staff person, it's a little bit more flexible, just like it would be in any discipline. Um, but I don't really see that as a negative. I just see it as um, something to be considered for everybody before entering this discipline. I think it's totally fine as long as you understand um, the demands of, of what your training will be like. And so for me personally, I don't really see it as a negative um, because um, I would rather be in the operating room at 8 or 9 p.m. than pretty much anywhere else in the world. So for me, it's a kind of an easy decision to, to want to be there. That's really encouraging to hear as a first year wondering, you know, what what your life will be like. It's amazing to hear that you found so much fulfillment in your career. And yes, something that I hope we can all, whoever's listening to this podcast, find. Um, so listening to, I guess, these experiences you're having, life dealing with life or death situations, seeing some of the sickest patients in the hospital improve, I can't imagine how how that experience is, is 
And I'm wondering if there was a moment in your training, such as maybe while shadowing or clerkship, where there was a patient or a story that really made you think cardiac surgery is for me? You know, it's interesting. I don't know that I have a specific story. I think for me, the true testament of the greatness of not only cardiac surgery, but cardiac care in general is the efficiency and team mindedness that the whole spectrum of cardiac care has. I, I didn't, I think it's unmatched anywhere else in all of medicine. Um, maybe second would be kind of cancer care surgery, things like that. These, these really big multidisciplinary teams where every person knows their role and performs their role with a high level of expertise. And that allows just the gears to turn. And so for me, the, the greatness, the, the really nice thing about cardiac care is that we're able to provide it to so many people with such an excellent level of, of care. Um, and so, you know, as, as cardiac surgeons, we, you know, as a cardiac surgery team, we operate, I would say more than any other discipline. I think, um, in my residency, I'm in the operating room every single day, um, that I go to the hospital basically, um, with the exception of some weekends and things, but, um, we operate a tremendous amount. There's a tremendous amount of cardiac disease. The burden is immense in the population, especially with an aging population. So I think for me, the ability for us to keep responding to that increase in, in demand with more supply is, is what is kind of compelling to me about the, the field. And, and there's nice stories along the way and things, but I think the bigger um, kind of population level of things is, is, is really enticing to me. It seems like you really were prepared and you really had a good idea and did as much research into the field as you could before you committed to this uh, career. But I was wondering if since starting residency, there's been anything that surprised you about your field? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, if you were to ask somebody on the street, um, how hard do you think heart surgery is? They would say it's, it's probably pretty hard. And uh, when I was a medical student and when I started residency, I would, I would also say that it's, it's probably pretty hard. Um, and what I'm learning through more and more becoming the person that's actually performing the operations, I'm, again, I'm quite junior, I've only uh, performed small bits and pieces of operations, but nonetheless, in that process, I realized that uh, however difficult you think it is, it's actually much more difficult than that because the level of um, mastery, the level of control, not only of your hands, but also what you're thinking um, that you need to have in order to do this well is, is, is really immense. And so it's the more I, the more time I spend in this field, the more respect I have for the discipline and for the people who are my mentors and um, you know senior residents and staff and things who have who have been doing this for much much longer than I have and at a level of excellence that you know um, is is somewhere where I can hopefully uh, aspire to be at some point. So that's been it's been really nice to know that it's an ongoing challenge. It's going to be challenging for my whole career, and that's I think a really good thing. It's really inspiring to hear. 
And definitely I can agree that if someone asked me in the street how hard cardiac surgery is, I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> so the fact that you as someone in cardiac surgery is emphasizing how difficult it is, is pretty mind-blowing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And you'll find this, I mean, I think this is something that's it's in any craft. I think it's, it's easy to think that things are easy when somebody who's really good at them is doing them. Um, but as you do them yourself, I think you'll learn to suture at some point if you haven't already. And, you know, when, when staff are suturing a wound closed, say, it, they make it look very easy. But then when you, you know, are fumbling with a needle driver and can't load your needle properly and things like we all have done at some point, um, then you, you kind of start to gain some respect for, for what the craft actually is. So that's yeah, it's a good, good experience. Yep. Fumbling with the needle driver sounds really familiar to me. The next thing I'd like to hear about is that CARMS and the whole applying to residency and going through medical school is something pretty recent to you. And I'm sure the memories of trying to prepare or explore cardiac surgery are pretty recent. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you have for medical students trying to explore cardiac surgery and find out more about the field and whether they like it. Yeah, I think it's, it's a really small discipline. And uh, I think a lot of disciplines say that, but I think cardiac surgery is even amongst the small disciplines quite small. Um, there's only sometimes a high single digit number of CMG spots a year. You know, I think in my year it ended up being 10 or 11, something like that. So it's a, it's a really small field. And, and so I think if you're interested in it, then whatever your local program is, or if you're at, you know, at a medical school that doesn't have um, a cardiac surgery program, then the next nearest, um, I think getting to know them is in your best interest. Um, I think that if you show interest, maybe somebody will take you on as a research student or something like that. And the value of doing the research, sure, is that you might get a poster or a publication or whatever. I think that's actually far less important than just being in the environment of cardiac surgery. It'll allow you to go to more operations, ask more questions, see really what we do, and um, see if it's a good fit based on your value system and what you want your life to look like and, and the other things that you want for your life. So just uh, just get to know us. I think um, some people uh, in different years of the medical school have been pretty interested in cardiac surgery, and it's awesome. And, and all the residents, uh, you know, we, we talk about who's, uh, who's down the pipeline and really good med- medical students that we have that we're looking forward to working with. So. Um, you'll be known if you want to be known and and we'll try to help you as much as we can good to hear and good to get some like insight into how you ended up where you are I've learned a lot today about your passion for cardiac surgery and it's really clear that this is your passion Um, I I can just tell that from the the 30-40 minutes we've been chatting and I think one thing that is on a lot of medical students mind and some people from day one is, what am I going to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's sometimes a process that is very individual and you hear different advice from different people. So I was wondering what your advice for people trying to find out their passion is. I think, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of pressure, especially now, um, like Carms has kind of become an arms race of, of feeling like you need to know what you're going to do from the very beginning. Um, I'm doing 
12 research projects by the time you're done your first year and things. And I think that stands in, in, in some ways in stark contrast to some of the, the basic things that I think is important to learn um, during your time in medical school. And I, what I mean by that is that I think the fact that medical school is, is four years, or I guess three years for some people, four years long, um, really affords you the opportunity to perform some really earnest self-examination about what you want your life to actually look like. And I think that's a part of things that, you know, increasingly people are talking about in some respects, but they're really only talking about it in one way. Uh, it's kind of a unilateral conversation right now that uh, is basically the thesis of which is that the previous generations of surgeons uh, or, you know, physicians at large um, may have worked too much and that was a detriment to their other aspects of their life and so um, we should find ways to still give good patient care but um, have some semblance of work-life balance. I think that's a fair characterization of, of what the kind of cultural shift that we've seen. Um, but I think there, it's multifactorial. Like what you want your life to look like is, is not just about how much you work. It's about the type of work that you do, the kind of environments that your work is in, um, the kind of patients that you deal with, and then uh, outside of work, which for many people may be just as or more important than work, is what else do you want to do with your life? Do you have hobbies that you're really interested in that you want to sustain during your training and throughout your life? Do you have um, certain commitments that are non-negotiable that you need to continue to be of service to during your training? I think these are really important questions um, and I think it may be a little bit short-sighted to just pick a specialty based on what you like um, because there are so many other things that are involved and, and as a medical student um, what you like is often unduly influenced by the, uh, the people that are delivering that that environment to you. So if you had a really nice preceptor on whatever rotation, you may be predisposed to thinking that you actually like that discipline when really most of it was that you just like that person. And so I think these other parts of the conversation need to be really considered in order to make sure that you're making an educated decision. At the end of the day, you're making a pretty uneducated decision because you have extremely little exposure in every single discipline, uh, no matter how hard you try. But at least by considering all of these things, by spending as much time as you can, uh, by shadowing, by asking questions, by getting to know people, you'll go from knowing absolutely nothing to a little bit more than absolutely nothing, which which should be for most people enough to make a reasonable decision about their career. That's advice that I haven't really heard too much of. So, and that's an interesting perspective that I think our listeners will be would be great to consider for them. And. You kind of alluded to, you know, considering values other than work-life balance, which is, as you said, a huge value or a huge consideration that we're, that is talked about in current medical education. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the potential other values or considerations that went into a decision for you or that could go into a decision for someone? So I think, I think part of it is, is, um, understanding what kind of role you want to fulfill in this humongous discipline of medicine as a whole. Do you want to be, um, to 
make this into kind of a sports analogy. Do you want to be more of a quarterback type? Do you want to be more of a wide receiver type? I don't know if you know anything about the book, but basically, do you want to be the person who's assisting other people, who's referring to other people, who's recognizing problems? Um, or do you want to be the kind of person who does less of the recognizing and more of the um, fixing the problem? And both of these things have incredible merit. Um, and so you kind of have to decide what role you want to play. Do you want to be the end of the line solution where if the thing that you do doesn't work, that there's no more options? Or do you want to be kind of a middle of the road where you have a great kind of scope of things that you can do and if they don't work that you can pass them along to somebody who's really hyper-specialized? Do you want to have a broad scope? Do you want to have a narrow scope? Do you want to work in an academic center? Do you want to work in a community center? Do you want to have flexibility over the kind of center that you work at? Do you want to have flexibility over the kinds of um, hours that you work? Do you want to have flexibility over any other part of your work? And by virtue of that, do you want to have flexibility with the stuff outside of your work? Um, these are the kinds of questions that I think would benefit medical students from asking themselves a little bit more. Um, because, um, you know, we talk about passion a lot and things, but um, I think you will become increasingly passionate about anything that you gain some mastery in. So um, if you do something for long enough and you get good enough at it, you'll probably have some level of passion per se. It's hard to have passion about something that you have never really done. And so to have passion about cardiac surgery as a medical student, I think is probably pretty difficult. You're probably really interested, but um, I don't know that you'll really know what it's like until you do it. And I don't even know what it's like because I haven't done full cases and, and I haven't had a career in it. So um, I think considering the other parts of it, it, it is usually I think, pretty beneficial. Lots to think about. It sounds like lots and lots to think about. And right now, as I'm talking to you, it sounds like you've done tons of personal reflection and it's clear that you've thought about these things. And I'm wondering if there was anywhere or in your journey, if you ever felt doubt about these values or if these are kind of things you knew early on. No, I think you need to, you need to cast doubt on them. Um, you know, we're in a field in medicine and you know, in surgery or cardiac surgery, or really in medicine as a whole, where we have to sacrifice a huge part of our lives. Um, some would consider the, the best part of our lives, the most free years of our lives, to learn craft while all of our friends are doing other things and working jobs and doing uh, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, but I think that you, yeah, I think, I think casting doubt on your principles is the only way that you'll really solidify your principles. So. Um, if you think that, you know, you have a value system, then I, I encourage you to challenge it. And I think having friends who are of like mind has been of incredible value to me. I'm really lucky that a lot of my friends um, from my undergrad ended up going to medical school. And so we've, we've stayed really close. And during medical school, you make more friends. And you just kind of challenge each other on, on your principles and your values. And, and uh, iron sharpens iron. So I guess uh, surround yourself with people who are also trying to answer the same questions as you are. I think you probably get somewhat closer. At least that's, that's really helped me. Just now hearing about 
your whole reflection process has kind of started some reflection in me too. And I think what you said about all these other values being an important aspect, not just passion is really resonating with me because I think it's definitely natural to look at your life as a whole and not just about what you do, but how you do it, why you do it, where you do it and all these things. Yeah. Yeah. Because those, those things can often influence your, you know, job satisfaction and your fulfillment just as much as the, the career that you choose. Because um, ultimately a lot of what you do, irrespective of, of the discipline that you do, might be the same. You're dealing with patients, you're dealing with sick patients, people are coming to you at a time of vulnerability and you're doing some kind of thing to, to make them feel a little bit better. I think another question that popped into my mind is you have this reflection process and I was wondering if there's any system or any I don't know, documentation, any any way that you reflected or if these were just kind of thoughts in your head? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. That's a very good question too. I don't know that I had a super structured way about going about things. I have a bunch of chicken scratch crumpled pieces of paper probably lying around my apartment um, in piles somewhere that have all types of scribbles on them. But I think the, the, the piece about conversation and dialogue, I think is the most um, was the most important for me, you know, having people to be soundboards for these things regularly enough served almost as an auditory journal of where you were at in your process. And so through regular correspondence with good friends who were, you know, at the same level of medical school or one year ahead or one year behind or two years ahead or whatever it was, we were kind of always in similar positions or somebody had a little bit more experience in one thing or, or, or another. Um, and so having that consistent um, friendship and, and companionship throughout the process, I think, was, was the biggest thing for me, um, more than writing or anything. So it sounds like in your, your years of medicine, you've done a lot of reflecting and thinking about the world and your role in it and the role you want to play. And one thing that comes to mind for me is has being in medicine and in cardiac surgery changed your your view of the world and what you want your place in the world to be or your goals? Yeah, so I think um, when you're really early on in this process, whether you're in high school or undergrad or, or anything, um, most people say, would say that they want to get into medicine to help people. Um, I think what people really mean is that they're trying to find some way that their unique skills, personality, disposition, values, principles can, you know, where that fits into the world and, and can they find something where that unique combination might be really useful in, in a small part of the world. And so um, as I've gone on in this process of medicine and now cardiac surgery, I think that has been refined further and further. And so it hasn't really changed my ultimate kind of values or anything like that, but it does really inform the um, behaviors that I have to adopt, the kind of things that I have to think about a little bit more um, in order to, you know, make my core principles or values, which is to be of service to the community, to do something for um, something that's bigger outside of myself or what, whatever those are for the people that are listening, um, to sharpen those things specifically for the craft of cardiac surgery. So has it changed anything? Yeah, it's changed things a little bit, but but not the really important stuff. 
it sounds like as you go through your journey you're I guess getting to know yourself better getting to know how you can be of service to the world better yeah exactly you just understand the demands of of what you want to do with your life and then you align yourself in a way that makes those things feasible and realistic I'm learning and yeah lots of thoughts are running through my head as we're talking about this and I think we're reaching the end of our interview and I think before we end I just want to ask if there's anything else you want to mention about anything that we've talked about or things we haven't talked about yeah nothing too big I think everybody listening um, is listening because they have some perhaps uncertainties about what they want to do with their life um, and that's completely normal and reasonable I think uh, decisions that you make without casting any doubt on those decisions uh, may be decisions that are a, a little bit less examined and so the fact that people are thinking really hard about what they want to do with such a huge proportion of their life and their work I think is really commendable and, and I encourage as we've talked about today I encourage you to, to think about it and have it on your mind that I think it's totally fine to have it on your mind every day um, because this is a, a really big thing in your life and, and everybody's trying to do the best that they can for the people around them. So you're, most of you are going to be just fine as long as you um, stick to, to thinking about uh, how you kind of best fit into this, uh, into this discipline. Those are really reassuring words, I think, for anyone listening. And I just want to say thank you for first for coming to do this interview, but also being so open about uh, your decisions and your values and I guess your whole journey through medicine. I can say that through this 45 minutes talking to you, I've learned so much and I, I feel more equipped to be making and thinking about my life decisions. Good. No, thanks for having me again. Thank you so much and I hope you have a good rest of your evening. Thank you very much. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network. 